Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Hey, I've Got an Idea Show. That's my brother, Mason, man of intrigue, Williams. And that's my brother, Brumpy the Pumpus Boy. I'm, I'm sorry? That... Brumpy the Pumpus Boy. <laughs> Brumpy the Pumpus Boy. Um, You didn't want to go with Luke Brumpy the Pumpus Boy Williams? You wanted to... No. All right. Uh, okay, I'm assuming Twitter put you up to this again. Uh, maybe. So, if you're this is your first episode, uh, you might have noticed that there's Brent Black attached to this name. He will be joining us in a little bit. And before your very ears, we are going to invent something from scratch. Uh, but for the first little bit here, we're going to just see how far we can get with our topic. And this week, it will be a political system. A system of government, a means by which the few command the many. Correct. Now, Mason, where would you like to begin? Well, I would just like to expose my biases right up at the top here. Okay. Uh, I am a big fan of Plato's concept of the philosopher king, Uh, which uh, that was him saying that philosophers should be the kings, which, given that Plato is a philosopher, sounds kind of self-serving, until you realize that he didn't want to be the king. If he wanted to be the king, he would have, like, gone down in history as some sort of politician. No, he was saying that politicians should be forced, should be compelled to be the kings, because they had the greatest wisdom, they were basically the only kind of science on the block, mm. and those who have the greatest science should be compelled to make the world a better place for their fellow human beings, whether they want to or not. And so he was basically proposing that they be press-ganged into service. And the reason that I'm in favor of this is that I neither like nor trust anybody who intentionally seeks power. As far as I'm concerned, anybody who wants to be a leader should be disqualified from doing so. Wow, that is quite specific. And that's quite interesting. Um, I also have to appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, he said philosophers should be king. Because, like you say, if he wanted to be king, he would have said, you know, Plato's should be king. <laughs> yes, guys named Plato should be king. And also, like, Socrates, Aristotle, we should we should be a succession of divine rulers whose word is not questioned. Uh, I think Western civilization would have gone very differently. Okay. So just to play devil's advocate to that, um, okay. there's two big flaws that I see with that being an absolute. Uh, okay. One. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not proposing that anything be an absolute. I'm not a fan of absolutes. But yes, continue. Okay. One is that if a culture is fostered of a sort of, uh, uh, I want to find the right word for this. I imagine it would be like sapiocracy uh okay. if it was those that were the most uh uh intelligently equipped or uh the most educated or 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 the most uh you know it was a different set of skills back then to be a philosopher that was kind of like the people who thought the best and yeah. now we yeah. have different classifications for that but regardless yes. uh whoever is excelling at that 
sort of becomes the next in line. And then you've got sort of an issue with do these people like generate a culture of being the most groomed for a political position? Yeah. And I mean, we, we all know that like uh, philosophers, they were the first scientists, but also like scientists now are more specialized so, like, I'm sure there's some very genius people in, like, chemistry or robotics or astrophysics, uh, but the fact that they are geniuses in that area does not mean that they are geniuses at politics. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing that sticks out to me. Um, one is that uh, if someone is uh, sort of compelled to become this, whether it's, like, the le- the law of the land says you are the best philosopher, whatever that means, philosopher in quotes, yeah. um, and therefore this is your right, you must govern us. Uh, mm. Will people be able to be good at doing a thing that their heart isn't necessarily in, or that is that is like just because it's awarded doesn't mean the person isn't gonna, you know, tuck tail and run. Well, now I think maybe what we do is we have it based on your success, but your success doesn't like guarantee you being better at it just means you're allowed to leave like people vote for you whether or not they like what you did whether or not you did a good job and like you have to win a certain number of elections of being like a good administrator before they let you see your family oh jesus (laughs) and be like okay congratulations you won three elections in a row people really like the way you've been governing so now you're allowed to stop (laughs) well i mean one thing that is sort of uh, apropos of that is that you know not the brutal like you're allowed to <laughs> go outside uh but more something akin to like uh there aren't really obvious terms like maybe mm. it's not like a four-year thing but maybe just like oh even, god no not four years no fuck. even if it was just like six months sort of yeah. like you were awarded the most privileged contract we can give you 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 mm-hmm. you may now serve all of us in the highest position of power because you are the one. And what's kind of interesting about that is that it sort of highlights those that might be the humblest and least willing to do so. And I don't know how to fake that effectively. Yeah. And the problem is, is like any of these systems, you're always going to get people who try to game the system. So you're always going to get like the one narcissistic asshole who actually wants to be leader. And therefore, as we've said, is unfit to be a leader. But uh, he's just like, oh, no, you guys, I really don't want to be in charge. Don't put me in charge. Oh, no, oh, I'm continuing oh, to suck no. at it. Yeah. Oops, yeah. I'm the w- leader of the world. No, not exactly what I didn't want. So, hey, yeah. here's, a, here's a question for you. Uh, I like mm-hmm. where you're coming at with the philosopher thing, but we're mm-hmm. I feel like we're sort of like uh, blasted through a couple of points here. That's one thing you got. What else you got for me? Okay, um, I love term limits. Okay. Uh, I love uh, representation. Uh, I do think that democracy as we have it now is an artifact of the 19th and 20th centuries and does not reflect our 21st century reality where the average person can have access to a lot more political information and therefore can make more granular choices. Hmm. 
okay. I really don't like the left-right spectrum. Uh, the idea that all political positions must necessarily fall off somewhere on this one-dimensional line. And like, if, if you want something that's a way over to the left, it means you want everything else that's on the left. It's like, no, like politics is more than a single one-dimensional line. Right. And I, I, I find like, if you were to compare this to sort of like lining up your fantasy football team, you would be yeah. able to like pick and choose the athletes you like based on whichever stats and based on whichever character traits or whatever, uh, you know, uh, because of course the fantasy football <laughs> analogy is the one we're going to get best. Uh, but what I'm getting at is that if you could sort of put together uh, your best votes on your best uh, people for particular jobs, mm -hmm. that would be so much better than sort of how we currently do it where you just you, you you vote for a local person and possibly the the guy at the top which unfortunately it is still the trend is still guy at the top but like the person at the top um and okay, i, I want to address that can we like there's too many dudes in politics just worldwide there's too many men yeah jesus christ of course like that's that's a no-brainer but what I'm what I mean with that is that the people that you wind up in putting your vote down on, it's like it's pretty much skewing left or skewing right, and they've got this pretty firm position with you know things that they've uh, already picked out as their positions on these couple of topics, and it's like, can we you know assign better answers for all of these little picky individual questions that we're trying to to mm -hmm. to get at? Like, why do we have to? sign up for this one candidate that we might like this position but hate that position like why can't we just vote for a slew of people and then okay maybe this is just i'm oversimplifying this maybe maybe it's that or, or maybe this is the 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 counter of that maybe it's that we need it simplified for the masses okay what? okay so here's here's my my thing okay let's say uh there's a lot of legislation, not, like not just we hold a vote on like one thing every couple of weeks. No, they put out like dozens and dozens of pieces of legislation, many of it duplicate legislation, and it'll have slight things changed. And all the people voting on all the legislation, they're saying yes to this, no to this, yes to this, yes to this, no to this. And none of this shit where, like, you have one piece of legislation, but then it's got another thing tacked on, so you have to vote against the thing you want because you don't want the other thing. You know, like, how politicians will frequently do that, and they'll call it, like, the Freedom and Patriotism Act. And it'll be, like, 12 pages that say you know, that license plates should be a different shape. And then, like, hidden on the back, it's like, also, I'm going to kick a veteran in the knee. And it's hmm. like, well, fuck, I can't vote for this one way or the other because if I vote against it, I'm on record as voting against the Freedom and Patriotism Act. But if I vote for it, you know, they'll say I voted for kicking, kicking a veteran, a veteran like, in the knee. It. Right, right, of course. And, like, the, the most hilarious real-world example of that is that very recently uh, mm -hmm. there was this new... Um, this bill that they were trying to pass in uh, in America right now uh, right. of of uh, it was it was regarding like the the tax breaks and how they wanted to move some money around and stuff, but there was also just mm -hmm. hidden in the hidden in the language. There's also like oh, and by the way, uh, uh, you know, 
a fetus is is this and not that. And it's like <laughs> that re- like that actually has nothing to do with the rest of the bill. You yeah, just kind of like snuck that, that's that in there. my thing. Is legislation should be specific. It should be about one thing and you're not allowed to tack on other shit. Okay. So here's the situation. You've got hundreds of pieces of this legislation that's flying by your head and you're just going like yes, no, no, yes, yes, no, yes. But here's the thing. Only like one percent of that is actually leg- real legislation that's actually passing. Mm. Most of the time, it's not. It's not based on like a real thing. It's just to get your perspective on where you are, what you approve of. You know whether or not you agree with certain kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And then, sort of like a dating, like an online dating service, mm-hmm. it just matches you up. And there's like thousands of points of information, right? Because we've got your vote on thousands of pieces of, you know, legislation. Right. It matches you up with other people who voted the same way. And you're like, "Hey, this one politician, he's got a 99.8% match with you." And you're like, "Well, fuck, I guess I support him then." I guess that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the thing that that is currently broken about at least, you know, American politics and I imagine to a lesser, somewhat lesser extent Canadian politics uh-huh. uh, is that everything is such a team loyalty sort of game. And like, oh, yeah, that's another thing. <sighs> fuck political parties. Can I, can I just say fuck political parties? Like, I, I know I'm coming to the table with a lot of like stuff that I already feel about politics, but this is one of them. Fuck political parties. They ruin democracy. It seems like it's it's not just an abstract concept at this point. It seems like it's sort of, wow, well, like, what the, what the hell? Yeah, like, is is this how, how this is so broken? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the one thing that I'm, I'm kind of happy about with... Um, I mean, okay, so, like, Bernie went pretty far as an independent, but then he had to sort of, in order to attempt to succeed, play nice with the Democrats. Is that how that sort of went down? And then, uh, and Yeah, then they, yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, but he made it that far as an independent, partially because of how radical his, his ideas were. But yeah. we actually do pretty okay with the NDP so far. They're not doing, like, too much better. Well, but I mean, at the least... NDP is a fucking part. That's what the P is for. Right, but that's, <laughs> right, but that's what I'm getting Literally at. Literally a third of their name. But what I'm what I'm saying is is that we've had this third party sort uh-huh. of become a contender. Like, didn't they do better than? Well, now you can't think of it as a third party the way that the American system has a third party. Like the American system, they've got left, they got right, and anybody else is your third party option, right? Right, right. But, but here in Canada, we have gone through a bunch of different things. Like for you remember for a while there, the Bloc Québécois, they were kind of. Uh, a fairly major party and as far as i'm aware their entire thing was just like quebec yeah quebec. it's like, it's like yeah. that that's not a political position it's like quebec no yeah, no we want to go like <laughs> in favor of other things uh and and like we had the fucking reform party we had like a bunch of different parties right that's uh, true it's it's not like in America where everything is polarized left or right. Uh, but regardless, I still feel that A, you know, political parties fuck shit up. And B, we are still beholden to the idea of the one-dimensional politics. Because, like, right now we do have basically the three parties where, you know, the conservatives are on the right and liberals are sort of center-left and the NDP are left-left. 
Like, mm. that's still the same one-dimensional spectrum, and I think we need to get outside of that because, you know, maybe not everybody who wants lower taxes also wants to ban abortion. But under right. the whole one-dimensional left-right spectrum thing, you can't get the one without also getting yeah. the other. You have to pick whichever one you're leaning closer to, and that's mm -hmm. just what you get. Yeah, I get that. Okay, um, okay so I got some stuff I want to I wanna bring up. Hit me. We... We are sort of sold this greater overarching uh, idea that uh, the differences of, of classes aren't necessarily there, that you could potentially move between classes based on particular opportunities. However, there's like all these barriers to people actually moving around in their classes, right? And and I think that a lot like of... Desks. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know what I mean. Like actual <laughs> financial classes in just in just in terms of income alone okay. there are these classes among society or, or in our society so sure. if if these obvious classes are to exist do you think that it's possible to establish um actual legal ramification for behavioral or ethical classes you know can there be moral or ethical standards actually imposed on a legal in a legal way like do you, like it's bad to be poor like what no, no, no. Like, if, um, let's say, for example, uh, you are wealthy and you're okay. in a higher a higher class and you uh, use some of that money very provably towards a sort of ethical judge uh, that, oh, you're not only creating these jobs, but you're also, um, you know, perhaps donating to these charities or you're, or you're working on, like, making... Uh, the the world a better place through some yeah. like measurable sort of mean. Sure. Um, say if that actually meant that uh, there was some awards given, some breaks or some tax breaks or, or or whatever. But more specifically, for those that are in the lower classes, those trying to to get up there, um, if they are doing something provably to a judge of some level, uh, that they're their time is being spent making the world a better place through through this community service or this community program or um, you know some public outreach, some social services, whatever. I, that's obviously not the only measure by which this can be. Um, but if it was provable on some level that you know these things that would be uh, awards, let's say, like if it's if it's the kind of thing that you would get awarded bravery medals for or, or if it was you studied really hard in school so there's these scholarships and bursaries or whatever something sort of akin to that okay. that like maybe it's just a little bit easier for you to get a loan or uh, maybe certain things are a little more achievable for you not based on your amount of wealth but just by an actual merit that is like so, so you're proposing that we have some judge somewhere who is presumably completely impartial and blind to race and gender and so forth, who looks at all of your deeds and judges whether or not you're a good person, and then if you're a good person, like, gives you better credit score? Like, what? Well, essentially, if it was, like, coupons for more opportunity on some level and i'm not just necessarily talking about one benevolent judge i'm talking about a system of judges where they're hold to a similar sort of standard where it's not necessarily a a uh 
judge that oversees, uh, you know, the legal squabbles that we typically think of, but it's somebody who it's actually their job on the line to be proven impartial. And what they're really measuring is, all right, you only got, you know, however many hours in a week, however many hours in a day, what are you spending your time doing? Is it making the world a better place? And like, okay, here's, here's one of thousands of problems with that. (laughs) Let's say that I, you know, uh, I volunteer, but I volunteer at my church and my church is a Presbyterian church. Yeah. And the judge who happens to be reviewing my case, he's like, well, you're, you know, like improving your church, but I'm a Catholic, so I don't see that as improving the world, so fuck you. Like, even if, even if the judge actually is impartial, like, I'm going to review, like, because this is measurable, right? I'm going to know whether or not I, I'm being, you know, good. And I'm going to check my receipts, and it's going to say, hey, you volunteered at your Presbyterian church, but that only got you, like, 0.1, you know, goodness points. I'm going to be like, what the hell? My church is awesome. I'm being discriminated against. And the problem here is you won't be able to prove that it isn't the case, right? Because, like, I'm coming to you after the fact, and I'm saying, hey, this Catholic judge only gave me .1 goodness points for the hours and hours that I volunteered at my Presbyterian church. He's prejudiced against my religion. Like, how do you prove that that's not the case? Hmm. I I suppose... (sighs) Well, we're talking about team stuff again, right? Like, I feel like this, if it was to potentially successfully exist on some level it would have to sort of be beside uh you know a religious qualifier um and i know that that's sort of difficult because historically if it was like say it was a soup kitchen uh it cut what i'm getting at is that it doesn't really matter whose name is on the front it matters if you're actually ladling the soup for the hungry you know like well again like the religion that's just one thing right like you're also going to have to take into account like cultural and racial and gender bias and so forth like this Mm. is very often the case where a lot of traditionally for example women's work it tends to be undervalued things like child care things like uh okay let me let me give you an example uh you know a little kid is making a little lego robot and the little Lego robot is able to, like, climb up a flight of stairs and snuff out a candle. Like, oh, my God, check out this kid. Give him, you know, a uh, a scholarship. He's really going places. Send him to MIT. Same kid uh, is, like, knitting and, like, makes a really bomb-ass sweater. And, like, that requires math. That requires a certain artistic talent. That requires a knowledge of, you know, what fucking yarn goes where. But... Like, even if it takes the same number of neurons, that kid's not getting a scholarship to MIT for the fucking sweater, right? Right, right, So, I mean, this is my thing, is there are certain biases that are baked into society, and you will never be able to say a human being is perfectly bias-free, because, quite frankly, that's not a thing. 
You right. can't have a human being who is free entirely of bias. I don't care what form you sign. It is impossible for you to say, yes, I will always judge white people equally with black people because you know what? You got eyes. You got life experience. You cannot say 100% that that doesn't affect your understanding. And this is going to affect not only judges. This is going to affect like anybody in any system of government. You need to have a check and a balance, something other than a human being who promises to be good, who like is in charge of like administering this shit. Yeah. And I also can acknowledge the fact that like a uh, Lego robot kid uh, might be able to do that thing, but might also like kicking dogs. And like, yeah. there isn't a very obvious scale we just sort of all have this hopefully a sort of sense of a moral right and wrong that exists with human that isn't so obviously there with uh, a robotic counterpart like we can automate a lot of stuff but even no matter no matter what system like say it was a robo judge uh, whatever gets put in place there it would wind up being um you know, still programmed by someone and still able to be hacked and or gamified by someone who knows the programming really well. Like they can seek to to gamify, uh, you know, the the robo judge system to be the you know maximize yeah, that. Yeah, there, there's always going to be somebody who maximizes the game. Like let's say, uh, again, we're we're going back to just donating money to charity. You're always going to say, okay, this charity gives me the biggest bang for my buck. This charity is going to be the one that reports that I'm giving them money. Like, that completely removes any incentive to donate anonymously. Uh, and then, like, if you find a way to have that charity money somehow funnel back to yourself in a way that's off the books, like, right. there, you're good. And also, like you were saying, like, the kicking the uh, kicking the dog. You're not going to kick the dog in public. You're going to kick the dog at home with no cameras on you. So, like, no one's going to know that you're kicking the fucking dog. Well, like, so, long, so long as Big Brother's got the cameras everywhere, then, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a problem. And if you don't think that, like, bias is built into, like, even tech solutions, like, did you see that thing I posted uh, a while back where it showed, like, uh, these people like with a soap dispenser and like the white people put their hands under the soap dispenser and it dispenses soap and then like the black guy puts his hand under and it doesn't activate. Uh, I mean, I, I am familiar with that. Yeah. 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 No, that's my thing is tech. Like, even if you're not thinking about it, even if you're not intending to do it, like any tech, you know, and I'm not just talking about like robots. I'm talking about any system that a human being creates and programs including a system of government including a system of laws it's got to have something in it that accounts for that subconscious bias right and and it has to actually keep diversity in mind uh yeah. for to just to name one thing um in order to be balanced it seems as though everything sort of breaks down uh when it when wealth winds up being one of the prime motivators as is very obviously wrong with our society. Um, I mean, all of the, uh, all of a lot of what is wrong is that the wealthy uh, have entirely too much power, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Um, so I guess one thing is how do you safeguard against uh, a system that's so full of dishonesty when, when cash is King. And then the other question is um, in the Star Trek, 
uh, future where they've sort of moved on from uh, a cash society and, and whether it's, you know, some sort of credits or, or, or it's based off of work or whatever it is that they do to make that happen, um, you know, how do we potentially move towards uh like monetary wealth being not the prime motivator of so many of of humans like is there any way that we can take power away from that because i feel like it wasn't always this way and it's just getting worse and worse and worse okay okay here's the thing maslow's hierarchy of needs as long as your bottom need like food and shelter and not dying in a ditch as long as there's a possibility of that not being met, you are not going to be motivated by the upper shit, right? So right. as long as there are poor people at all, money is going to be a factor. Now, generally, we don't see money as being a problem with poor people as much as we see with rich people. We say, oh, the rich people have power, the rich people are corrupt, etc. But, like, straight up, if you don't have enough to live on that is also like like i wouldn't i wouldn't trust a dude to you know manage my district if i also wouldn't trust him not to pick my pocket to buy bread like Hmm. fucking we we need to sort out a system where the bottom of the pyramid is like solid and then i think quite honestly i think people will naturally want to seek to help others and like self-actualization, what have you. Um, do you think that that ties into the, the conversation somewhat effectively of like uh, minimum income and needs actually being met? Um, you know what? Here's a thought that I had. Uh, oh, you were saying this earlier. Uh, you were saying, oh, you know, uh, representation of people who are lower income. All systems of democracy that we have, they tend to be based on location physically. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, there's this district they voted for their representative. Um, but very often, we're getting to the point now where, you know, your district, your your physical location is quite frankly not that important. Like, I could honestly pick up and move to the other end of town. I could pick up and move to Vancouver. And, you know, my life would not be very very much different. But my life would be very different if I were to go up or down a couple of steps in the economic ladder. Or if I was to, like, completely change my career. And so I think, like, can we have elected representatives for an income bracket? Like, not for, you know, West London, but uh, a representative for people who make between twenty and 30000 a year. You know what's pretty wonderful about that concept is that um, the thing that is kind of frustrating about the choices we get for for uh, the politicians is on a, on a smaller local level, they get mm-hmm. to be at least a little bit more towards the lower middle and middle class. But anybody that's at the top is just rich. Like there's <laughs> there there is no one that represents the the poor that's at the top because they're at the top and they just by nature of of the job they got there because of being okay okay. Wealthy. So here's here's my thing. Here's my system. Okay. Uh, you have, I don't know, everybody logged into this system. 
and everybody you plug in and it checks like every year it checks like where do you live what's your income bracket what's your whole family situation what kind of thing do you do for a living whatever and that that is district it's sort of like uh, like we pick out, okay, people who are in blue collar jobs and make between this and this amount per year, they're, they're a grouping people who are in education and they make between this and this a year and they have kids. That's a grouping, uh, people who are in the hospital with, you know, a, a wasting away disease, they're in a grouping. What, and we just s separate society into a couple of hundred categories and then everybody you got legislation, again, coming at you hard and fast. Legislation is simplistic. You don't ever have something where it's like, you know, the pet the puppy but also kick a veteran bill. It's always, this is one thing we want to do. Do you want to do it? And you say yes or you say no. And there's thousands of these flying at you. There's always a constant stream of them. Everybody's got it and you're saying yes, 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 no, no, yes, no, yes. Okay, so... This, the algorithm, it's matching you up with everybody else who's in your bracket. And it finds other people in your bracket that have the majority opinion, that are voting on the things that, like, they're voting the way that the majority of their group is voting, okay? Right. And then, unbeknownst to them, because they've been voting the proper way for their group, all of a sudden, their votes start counting. And they don't even know that that's happening. But they know that they got to keep saying yes, yes, yes. Because even if their votes don't count, they know it's giving power to someone else whose opinion is as close as possible to theirs, right? Hmm. So it's, all of a sudden, their votes vote. are the ones that start counting. And, and all of a sudden, they're saying yes, 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 yes. And things are getting approved, you know, and they're the representative for their demographic. Hmm. If, I'm, if I'm following this correctly, though, like what... What if uh, something, I mean, these things will be very weighted towards um, those individual demographics. Like, say, mm -hmm. say you've got a group that is um, single moms uh, yes. or, or single moms between uh, uh, 20 and 35 or something like that. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, some legislation comes by that is like, oh, uh, uh, it's like, a, a, you know, a child uh, child benefit of whatever someone comes by to do daycare and uh, the government pays for it. And all the single moms are like, yes, 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 yes. We absolutely need that 100%. Right. Um, and then that is very much in the interest of, of that, uh, that group, but everybody else sees it as sort of like, eh, seems expensive. Well, you know, what, is there no weight to the different representatives? representative groups like does it um, matter if a hundred percent of the single moms vote yes and everybody else votes no like does well, that well now we're getting into like the possible gerrymandering of demographics right like uh depending on how you want to gerrymander it if you have like people making between this and this between this and this and you like cut it down to very small groups all of a sudden if each of those groups has one representative you know, that larger bracket has a lot more power. Uh, and I think you've got you've got gerrymandering of demographics the same way you have gemmy, der, uh, gerrymandering of uh, location with our current system. Um, hmm. And I think that we would need to handle that 
the same way we do here in Canada, which is we have an independent commission that is specifically like not beholden to any one uh, party or any one position, and they analyze it and make sure it's fair. So I think the only way we could really have that is if we have someone outside, like maybe if this is Canada we're talking about, we get somebody who's not Canadian and they're the only ones who can be objective <laughs> and they have to pick out what demographic groups are. All right. I mean, I don't, I don't hate that. It's a starting place. Okay. Mason, I think yes. we absolutely, before we get too ahead of ourselves, we need to call our expert in for this week. Yes. Uh, and uh, let's, let's see if we have some of this energy we can sort of like bring to him and see what, what, like what he's it. got for I us. I like it. Yes. All right. Here we go. So, joining us on the show this week is YouTube personality, musician, podcast host, game co-developer, and recent amateur political commentator, Brent Brentelfloss Black. Brent, welcome to the show. Thanks. How you doing? I'm uh, doing okay. I'm also doing quite okay. We uh we got a lot of a lot of stuff in the mm -hmm. air ready to sort of filter through your brain. So, oh uh, man. Well, I, I apologize in advance, but let's see what we can do. Okay. Most important question, Brent, right off the top. How good was the music in a Goofy movie? Oh, man. A Goofy movie is amazing. First off, I I feel like it never got better than Stand Out. Um, mm. But, I mean, you know, the, that's that's I, I feel like it found a way to combine what was great about kind of a michael jackson sound but also a little bit of prince and like i don't know stand out is an amazing amazing song and even though it wasn't a disney musical in the style of a little mermaid or an aladdin like it still kind of got to dip its toe into that and in kind of a pop milieu oh yeah goofy movie great freaking tunes you heard it here first folks <laughs> um, i'm glad we're on the same page all right sure. now that that's out of the way let's Talk politics. Yes, yes. And on a related oh, okay. note. So, yes, on a related note, uh, like here's here's the uh, the concept that I was uh, that I was working with was like, let's say you've got a, like this is politics for the 21st century, like all the politics that we have right now. It's based on like 19th and 20th century technology. We got to focus on like the 21st century. So imagine an app. OK, you got okay. this app. And you're getting legislation coming to it. And it's not, not one of these 500-page, you know, the Freedom and Patriotism Forever bills. It's like like one-page summary, like, should we buy this helicopter? Yes, no. Should we go to war with Lithuania? Yes, no. Should we you know, teach sex ed at such and such grade? Yes, no. And you're, you've got this app, and you're just swiping yes, no, no, yes, no, yes, no. And, uh, like, a lot of this... It isn't even real legislation. It's just like algorithmically generated. Like we have neural nets, right? And they're saying like, do you want this law? Do you want that law? And you're just going, yes, no, yes, no. Your votes don't actually go anywhere. But sort of like online dating, it matches you up with people who are voting the same way you do, right? So there's like somebody else and hey, you got a 98% match with them. They're voting the same way as you do 98% of the time. Okay. And then of the people who are, you know, voting and you have to have a certain amount of votes for for this to even be an option. But if you are 
like you've got the highest amount of scores for your grouping, like you have the most compatibility, you're considered like an average person who votes like the way the the majority votes. You're the guy, you're the representative. And so unbeknownst to you, this is key, you don't know it, but you start getting the real legislation and your votes start actually counting. So it's like a cloud-based election that mm-hmm. that pairs down an average of opinions and ideologies and then basically selects a member algorithmically who then, instead of having to run for office or stand for office, as they say in the UK, mm-hmm. is is chosen. They're lying down the for office. Yeah. I like the idea. I feel like um, this assumes all people of voting age have the technology to participate and that there wouldn't be some kind of, I mean, you know, I, I feel like you could have a TV ad where somebody said, hey, you want to really screw up the political system? Everybody should vote no on this obviously yes thing. Wouldn't that be funny? Let's do it. Let's be anarchists. Uh, okay, you have you have a point that this, uh, A, skews in favor of people who, like, know what they're doing with a smartphone. So all of a sudden, like... Uh, maybe people who aren't so technologically savvy or perhaps don't have as great a grasp of the language or whatever, uh, they're kind of uh, like their votes aren't counting quite as much. And also, I think more importantly, uh, skews against people who don't have uh, access to technology, who don't maybe don't have the money for a decent data connection or a, a decent smartphone that will allow them to do that. I mean, yes, you could go to the public library and like monopolize one of the computers and just sit there voting for an hour, but that's going to be inconvenient for everyone involved. Right. I mean, I, if if you could somehow guarantee every citizen of voting age had a user friendly, you know, uh, some kind of interface that they all just got or that could be subsidized with you know good customer service yeah and good technical support well i think you're kind of on to something because i think a huge part of the political huge part of the problem is like the notion of running for office in the first place has huge flaws yes so what if it was something a little more like um instead of it being on your phone which obviously is going to be the most convenient thing maybe there is a version of that that you can have access to but what if it was also sort of a public service of sorts that you you equip public libraries with enough tech that there's, you know, uh, thumbprint scanners for you actually getting, you know, an hour of just voting in any particular day? Like if that was not prohibitive and was publicly available, do you think something like that could work? It could. I, I, what I'm curious about is how sci-fi we can go with this stuff. Oh, it's this because... is the land of imagination. We can go... As far as we want. Well, now, the other the other problem, though, is if you're having it at a central location like a public library, now all of a sudden, like, that's super convenient if you live downtown, right? But if you're out in a rural area and you got to drive six hours to go vote for an hour a day and then drive six hours home again, like, you're not going to do that. Well, who's I mean, okay. six hours away from a library, though? So, so okay, I think to your point... I think that there are winners and losers in the geography of polling places when it comes to elections. And this mm-hmm. is similar to that. What if you take away the geography entirely and it's a government subsidized, you know, like a uh, body computer, like, like, uh, you know, something like a implanted version of Leela's arm thing 
I was her, wondering like, wrist bracelet thing from Futurama. <laughs> yes. I was yes. wondering how long it was going to be until we go there because that's another big issue, right? Like how how far into data uh, into like the state of data in uh, current society can we go before we really just need to put barcodes in people or, or chips or or some like fingerprints? I don't know, blood scans. What, 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 what? Like like I gotta admit, I am loving the idea of a a subsidized smartphone that just everybody gets. Oh, of course, what? that'd be like, amazing. That's that's good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that like a smartphone in 2017 is already a certainly a have and have not kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the world is starting to really congeal around the idea that you don't need to know directions. You'll have GPS. You don't mm-hmm. need to know how to get anywhere. You don't need to know restaurants in the area or really need to know anything about anything. You don't need to know what year The Wizard of Oz was released because IMDb is right there. If you don't have a smartphone, then you kind of have a different database of information available to you. You're kind of a different mm-hmm. human being in a sort of cybernetic sense. That's true. Yeah. I mean, those that were the trivia champs of uh, of two decades ago, their brains or or similar brains now just aren't reliant that way. Like that's, I'm sure that there are some people that still thrive that way, but not most people. Right. Well, and the hmm. brain, you know, the the, the brain mi- mixes things up, and there's probably plenty of people that are great at trivia that they just remember something slightly wrong because it's been a while since they've dusted it off, and the computer, you know, gets it right. But if we're going to talk about, you know, putting everybody on some kind of neural net or some kind of algorithmic grid where everybody's connected, then the really my question becomes who watches the watchers when it comes to hacking? Ah, mm-hmm. well, this is something that we've already uh, talked about, is we need an independent commission, like somebody who's not beholden to uh, like uh, any political party within the country, to, to any you know interest within the country. If ideally we could get a group from outside the country, like some foreigners that will, uh, like they're just paid to make sure everything looks fair from the outside like they're the ones that say oh yes you know this group of people is properly represented that group of people like there's no gerrymandering of demographics or districts going on what if instead of foreigners to our country it was rather people or entities that are outside of our species what if we had the most advanced kind of computer available like the ibm watson the google deep mind what if we actually started to utilize these pieces of technology and and have them learn the things we want them to well i mean you know the programming part is actually very tricky but like i'm just Mm -hmm. skipping ahead to the point where we can trust the not quite sentient but very reliable rightness of uh, if not robotic, then artificially intelligent entities, and they could, you know, sort of provide at least a seat at the table, have mm-hmm. a seat at the table to advise everyone else on, like, you know, what feels like it actually kind of like um, it's really hard to calculate the fastest route between two places if you're if you're really far if the two places are really far away because there's mm-hmm. so many different possibilities but a computer can do it because it's algorithmic and it's like that same kind of thing when you have that many variables you know 
yeah, and maybe maybe maybe, maybe robots is the is the short version of what I, I'm I, I do like maybe robots. I do like maybe robots. Now my concern is we have to build in like some safeguards. We have to put something in there just in case the algorithm. You know, algorithms they'll get away from you sometimes, and we don't want something that decides that oh the optimum benefit for people of this country is if like fifty one percent of us eat the other forty nine percent. You know, right. We, we, we need to put a safeguard in so that it knows not to do that. Right. Well, and I mean, I hope I'm not blowing a hole in all this, but one thing that I thought of when I when you initially told me the concept of this episode was I think that um, p- political systems are built on ideology and not the mm-hmm. other way around. And so if you have a very utilitarian ideology like, you know, kill the, kill the kid to save the four adults, you know, yeah. um, even though. You know, like the the old uh, what is that? Like the the pull the lever or push the, the person trolley off. problems. There yeah. you go. That's the one. Like yeah, the utilitarian answer to that is very simple, even though it seems heartless. So, mm-hmm. is the ideology purely utilitarian in terms of human suffering, or you know, is it is it wiggly? Is it? I mean, like, what would a society look like, for instance, if it were built on two ideologies of? Um, you know, we want kid, we want children to suffer as little as possible, and we want everyone to live as long as possible. Like, imagine if those two bedrock ideologies, if you built a society on that, how differently it would look than, say, American capitalism. Yeah, you that, know? that sounds pretty lovely right now. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? And what I'm saying is, so what I'm saying is, if we're going to talk about what the robots or what the foreigners or whoever would sort of, you know, help us decide, my question becomes... What are the bedrock ideologies that they would be there to enforce or at least um, be encouraged to carry out? What I think is also kind of at least a knee jerk uh, reaction I'm getting from this concept, too, is that, um, you know, this is obviously a concept that would be like way down the line, like not anything that would happen tomorrow. It has like people have to sort of warm up to it much in the same way. Uh, like a, a self-driving car is not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen in a you know a couple of decades, maybe maybe one decade. Um, but uh, the knee-jerk reaction of oh yeah, just hand a, some decision making over to foreigners or robots. I'm sure modern Americans are just like ready to do that. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, with the number of voting people who are old and afraid of robots, or mm. old and racist and afraid of non-Americans. Americans, unless they're Russian, everybody's favorite foreigner, apparently in America now. Mm. Well, no, but mean, like, you, you, you know, you know what you call somebody who's like from a country that's that's foreign, that's not that's not your country. What's that? What? That's. <laughs> Mason, Luke why? knows what I'm gonna say. Mason, why? <laughs> we were doing so well. No. You know, <laughs> hey, hey. Okay, so Brent, you know that that. Uh, that okay. So it's Nacho. What Nacho country? Nacho citizen. Nacho citizen. This <laughs> wow. is yeah. It's okay. All right. <laughs> let's uh let's take a hard right into a new topic. Okay. Good um, idea. Here's one for you. Uh, actually, Brent, let me just uh, lead in with you first. Uh, was there something that you were interested in bringing straight to the table? Well, you know, like I said, that to to me, I think that uh. What interests me most about political systems is that they typically seem to be an attempt to codify and carry out an ideology, and that when you get into ideological gridlock, 
that's when you know you end up having some kind of really messy revolution based on a really clear but kind of blind ideology. Bolsheviks, mm-hmm. uh, French Revolution. The ideology that guided those was really messy and really specific and really kind of didn't play along well with other ideologies, but mm. it sure made a lot of stuff happen really fast. So it's like, to me... Um, well, this is not a thing I'm proposing as a new topic as much as I'm always going to kind of go, okay, what would the ideology be that would lead to the ideal political system as opposed to how to carry out a political system uh, regardless of the ideology? Um, speaking to that quickly, something that I found kind of interesting is that I I, um, I work with an older uh, uh, Chinese uh, man, and he is from China, originally from Hong Kong, and he's spent... Uh, a couple of decades in in the Toronto area, and he's seen both sides. He's seen, uh, you know, uh, a communist system, and he's seen a much more democratic system in Canada. And um, it was kind of a worldview shakeup for me to just ask him one day, I was like, oh, man, that must have been so bad living in a communist society. And his take on it was just sort of like, eh, it's different. Um, y- you know, his frustration with democracies is, how long it seems for everything to take. And, mm. right, yeah, I, I'm i not, you know, I'm not suggesting that, uh, that you know, I think that we're much better off uh, in a more democratic system. But I found that kind of fascinating that, we, you know, we sort of have this echo chamber with our friends that we suspect that everybody sort of believes the same way as us, but... I, I never would have guessed that he would say something like that. Right. Know? It reminds me of Civilization 3, which is a video game where um, at least the vanilla version of Civilization 3 kind of made it seem like uh, a, a democracy was the end-all, be-all, ideal system of government that all mm-hmm. systems of government going back to tribal despotism would eventually evolve into, which is a very American idea. Hmm. But the thing about China is... Tell you what, the cell phones work a whole hell of a lot better because they've got one company. There's no different cell phone companies with different coverage maps. The state goes, here's your fucking cell phones. And, you know, like they work. Now, there's a lot of human rights violations and there's a lot of people that, you know, right. like are treated inhumanely by the government because of doing simple things like trying to access Facebook. But uh, there's winners and losers in extreme political systems. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that the structure of civilization, like you said, it's got like the ideology that is the bias of the programmers, and they create a reality where that's inherent to the reality uh, is their bias. I mean, that's almost the sort of the same thing that you're trying to push for is you're looking for a single ideology that will guide the country. And I think that's the reason why we have to have democracy and we have to have compromise is even in like a small country with like a couple of thousand people, you're not going to get everybody on board with the exact same ideology. Because if you did, you wouldn't need a political system. Everyone would just already do the thing. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think that also uh, ideology evolves over time too, right? That, um, mm-hmm. you know, y- you go back a uh, couple hundred years and then um, it was always a uh, religion that would sort of guide uh, what would happen politically. And that's less of a thing now like we still ideally make way for uh religion's place but it mm-hmm. it doesn't play the same role in the slightest so the ideology's like completely changed and right. that's just something that happened once already over time i'm sure there's other ways we can't even comprehend right now that it will also evolve 
yeah, I, I do think that whatever system uh, one creates, uh, you always have to have the ability to change it up. I mean, that's why the American uh, Constitution has so many amendments on it, is like we have to come to terms with the fact that even if we come up with the best thing we can think of now, our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren necessarily they're going to find improvements or the world is going to change in such a way that the system that is the best for right now is not going to be the system that's the best for 200 years from now. Sure, sure. Hmm. Okay, I've got a thing I want to talk about. Here's here's one thing. Um, I had uh, a friend in, in the past that was on welfare. And uh, I don't know if, um, if anybody else has a, like a specific touchstone with welfare, but um, I remember hearing... Uh, stories of how in order to get that welfare check, you go to the welfare office, you have someone that was paid by the government to very heavily scrutinize the necessity Mm -hmm. of doling out that check. And, you know, in a very embarrassing and uh, rather humbling or at least or humiliating way, um, had to sort of say like, no, I can't borrow any money from my, from my parents. No, I, I, I tried to get another job, but I didn't find one yet. Like, I had to go through this and how sort of demeaning that is. And and that's a system that was already in place mm-hmm. uh, in Canada where I sort of expected better. Uh, but, but, you know, I guess it's not too, too surprising. Um, I have a frustration with uh, the, the, this may be a buzzword sort of thing, but like, why isn't there a maximum wage? Is there any mm-hmm. way that we can impose a sort of new scrutiny on the people at the top beyond what we've done so far, which was, you know, laughed at by the wealthy. Like, well, you know, the thing is that, so it's so, it's so quickly forgotten that, um, the marginal tax rate in the United States under, in around the Eisenhower era was 96%. Now I don't remember where the cutoff was, but what I mean by, you probably know this already, but marginal tax rate, like meaning after a certain number of million dollars of income per year, everything above that was taxed at 96%. So it wasn't quite a ceiling, but it was Mm -hmm. nearly an income ceiling and not a wealth ceiling, but an income ceiling. So that after a certain point, only 4% over a certain amount of money goes to you and the rest goes back into essentially the society the community the idea being you're in the society which its roads its bridges its fire department its police department its public schools its research its grants all these things helped you get where you are to say nothing of its freedoms and its laws so you get Mm -hmm. this amount of money this ridiculous filthy amount of money but above that you don't and the thing is that that coincided that 96% marginal tax rate coincided with one of the most prosperous boom times in American history. And I think the history of the world, if you look at societies doing well economically, but little by little, there were rich people that wanted more. And so now you've got, you know, Republicans in Congress trying to take the corporate tax rate down to 20% instead of 30 something. And it's, Mm. it's a mess. Um, But the thing is, I think that my my what I very verbosely said could be said in a shorter way by saying we sort of had that and it sort of worked. Damn it. Well, I think that honestly, a big part of that was the fact that the world was a larger place back then. Nowadays, it's easier for, you know, individuals or corporations, whatever, to say, oh, there's a 96% tax rate. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm going to continue making all my money in the United States, but for tax purposes, I'm based out of the Cayman Islands. 
Right. Right. Hmm. I think that there's there's just a culture where it's not embarrassing to do that because mm. the the notion of patriotism and the notion of giving back to your country is very much a sort of a public uh it's a thing that you do for show or to appear you like to appear to be doing it but i don't think there's any longer this connection of republicans with patriotism and patriotism with giving back to your country's ultimate like revenue pot mm -hmm. Hmm. Like and we see that very much with uh, and and I hate to bring him up, but Donald Trump, like uh, that was the thing during his uh, his candidacy was he was saying, yeah, you know, I take this uh, deduction on my taxes, I take that deduction on my taxes, but that's just a smart thing to do, and like it sends the message to everyone in the country that the smart, savvy businessman thing to do is to pay as little as possible, you know, towards the upkeep of the country that harbors you. And it's like, no, we need to, we need to establish, and this is something that I'm very personally, uh, you know, passionate about is when it comes time for me to pay my taxes, I purposely don't take deductions on stuff. And I'm proud of the fact that I pay towards, you know, my country. Hmm. That's interesting. I feel like, I feel like we, I might've found, if not a hypocrisy, then, you know, kind of a duality in my own nature, because I feel like in the states, right, like the Republicans right now in Congress are trying to very like just very unabashedly move money around from poor and middle class people to the rich mm -hmm. and to corporations. So from my perspective, as essentially a freelance uh, contract worker since 2010, like I'm I'm a full time you know, I don't have an employer per se, but all these different mm -hmm. companies pay me. For me, deductions are just as much about uh, sticking it to the man who's trying to take an unfair amount from me and yet very little from corporations. I mean, GE is a corporation that I think effectively paid no taxes uh, in a recent tax year. And mm -hmm. yet, you know, they're trying to take a certain amount from me. And it's just like there's two ways to look at deductions. I feel like ultimately um, in the States, like tax reform that simplified the tax code would be great. But oh, yeah. as much as conservatives claim to want that, they never actually do it because simplification means less loopholes and less ways for them and their buddies to stay in power and keep old money, you know, where it is. Not to mention the fact that it would put H&R Block out of business uh, and not to mention the fact that, you know, when you have this specter that, you know, people can be audited and maybe in this like thousand page form, you messed something up and now you're going to jail. You yeah. know, like that's that's something that they want to keep around. The whole H&R Block argument is one of my least favorite things about American politics and culture right now the notion mm. that if you if you let something be easier it would put certain people out of business and the thing is the side you hear that from is so often the side that will also say free market free market they say free market when it benefits them but a free market would be one where if h&r block if if tax preparation were obsolete then those people would just have to lose their jobs and figure out something else it's a free yeah. market of labor. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like this inevitable thing that's coming with the future anyway. Like we, we're we going to need to deal with the fact that certain industries are just going to collapse and go away and other ones are going to thrive and we need to be more flexible than we're being. But it takes, you know, certain people's lifetimes in those industries 
to introduce these crazy biases of like, oh, like, well, Cole is an example, isn't it? Absolutely. And the thing is that Cole, uh, it was recently, it recently came out that um, more people work for Arby's Mm -hmm. than work in coal mines. Wow. Yeah. So like, it's not really, it's more of a symbolic thing. The notion of the dirty working man. I don't mean dirty Mm -hmm. in in a pejorative way. I mean like that. Hard working blue collar. I get my face dirty. I get sweaty in the mud. But like, it's it's a tiny contingency. It's just so symbolic. When if you think about it, the industry that I think is like uh, collectively doing a lot worse is uh, any kind of print journalism. Magazines mm. and newspapers are dying a not terribly slow death. And the thing mm. is, I look at that and go, fine. Figure out a way to make it. To figure out a way to monetize it. Figure out a way to make it digital. Keep up with the times and adapt. That's how business works. Yeah, the like idea don't that we're subsidize gonna... the buggy whips. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. The idea that we're subs- we've got a president talking about saving coal, but he's like anti-journalism, which is like really changing rapidly because it has to. It's just oh. an arbitrary thing. And again, I think the ideology is is one that funnels down. Like the current ideology in the United States, unfortunately, is. I'm going to get mine and it's no, Mm. there's no shame in getting yours. Um, I I do think that what we need to do is take an approach towards income inequality and the economy that's similar to our approach to the environment, right? Like we need to look at the fact that this spiraling income inequality is bad for people. And we need to cut down on that for the same reason we need to cut back on emissions because, you know, maybe that doesn't have a direct effect on you, but you're sure not going to like living in an environment where, you know, like 99% of people are poor and like there's this tiny minority that are billionaires. Like, I'm sorry, I don't care if you're a billionaire, you're not going to enjoy living in that country as much as if maybe you were just a millionaire, but you're living in like a place where people aren't scraping by and like you you pass like 12 people begging you for change on your way from one bank to another yeah right and i i I, it reminds me of a a quote i've seen on social media that just like where the argument sort of stops where you reach a point where you're just like i don't know how to tell you that you're supposed to give a shit about your fellow citizen yeah like right right like if if that is not going to convince you at a base level then uh, what i don't we're not even talking the same language like right well and i think there are some people you know i hate to generalize but i have sat in on uh a business course or two and -hmm. i've had friends that went to law school and i think that certain types of education certain types of work environments i've also tempt in in the world of high finance i uh i did temp work for Goldman Sachs for a while in 2008, 2009. So I feel like there's just, there are cultures of thought where it's kind of like this, right? Everyone has a way in which they are dehumanized. Everyone has a way in which they cannot be a full human. For me, Mm -hmm. you guys know well the convention scene. When I go to a video game convention and I'm like appearing as my YouTube personality thing, if I'm going to meet a thousand people during that day, I cannot be a full human to each and every one of them. Yeah, it's impossible to be authentic. Sure. Right. I I can't remember all of their names. I can't remember all of the details. And maybe a couple of them will remember the details of, 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 of our interaction very well because it was somehow not this part of a big stack for them. But I cannot be a full human for them in the same way that mm-hmm. 
doctors sometimes, you know, like in order to protect yourself, if you're an ER doctor, you can't be a full human and mourn every death that happens in the ER the way that I huh. would if it were someone I cared about. Yeah, that's but, a very good point. <laughs> There's something the thing- that I love in uh, in crime shows is uh, always as a visual shorthand to show that this is someone who's around death all the time and th- it doesn't bother them anymore. Very often when you have a scene in a morgue, you'll have the mortician like eating a sandwich. Because sure. like, yeah. they're, they're around these dead bodies, but like, they're so blase. They're like, yeah, I'm going to have my ham and cheese while I'm analyzing these bullet wounds. Absolutely. And the thing is, I'm, I'm the, 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 the kind of, threads i'm trying to draw together here are i think that with some people their inhumanity is really about vast swaths of suffering and they mm. just can't care about that the way that if you're if you work at the morgue you just can't care that somebody's dead yeah if you yeah. and and uh it's kind of i'm not really excusing it i'm just saying that's a thing i'm not sure how to fix and i think that the only way I mean, you know, um, there's there's sort of two two different ways we could talk about all this stuff. One is how do we get from where we are to a better thing, and the other is how would we build it from scratch? And I think a lot of times, for better and worse and worse, I build things from scratch, which actually have no way to. There's no way to make a revolution from scratch. You're always you're always uh, dealing with the momentum or inertia of what happened just before. Mm. Okay. Um, speaking of human nature, there's one other thing that I really want to quickly just talk about, and then let's try and you know bring all of these thoughts together into at least a, 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 a something that we can agree the three of us that maybe it should go this way. I think that's probably as close as we're going to get to one thing, um, and, and ideally something that's in some way funny. That would be cool. Eh, it's sort of secondary, um, right. <laughs> as per usual. Um, okay, so uh, addressing human nature. Um, I feel like we, there's a human nature thing with the political game that there's, uh, that are always winds up being two parties that turns into two candidates towards the very end. And, uh, you know, at the end, it's just down to, you know, as it was this time around Hillary and, and, uh, and Trump, um, and nobody was super happy with that, but that was sort of like, this is how it has to be, you know, mm-hmm. that, that. And I wonder if part of that stems from the way that we digest sort of all uh, competition when we see it that way. Like every sport, when, you know, it has like this longer form tournament where there are all these potential champions and then it like eventually boils down to a final showdown between the top two. Like, is this just an inevitable thing that we do as humans? Yes. Or can yes. we? Okay. Here, and I'm going to tell you why. So storytelling is what separates us from animals. And mm-hmm. uh, we always think of things in terms of a protagonist and an antagonist. And the number always comes down to two. Now, you can have a protagonist party and an antagonist party. But the reason we do this is because we always see things from our own perspective. And so we're always the protagonist of our story. So we always have to kind of extrapolate to another protagonist. So the idea of three, even if there are three, you still have one you want and it ends up being one against the other. Like you never see it's so rare to see like polling that's like dead heat of three candidates. So it yeah typically comes down to two mathematically. But like, yeah, we do like sports to be one on, you know, one team on another team or boxing one person on another. Well, uh, that would be a whole lot different if we did have like three or four boxers or three or four football teams. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah. The only time you see that is like tag team wrestling, but even then, mm-hmm. it's tag team. So there's right. still teams and there's still protagonist antagonist based on who you're rooting for. And I think mm-hmm. it's just something hardwired into the way we do storytelling that we think of things in those terms. Unfortunately, yeah. there is there isn't like a a big smash tournament game happening in the middle of your wrestling ring. Like you you need to be able to focus on two at a time or else it just is too much to focus on. Right. Well, this just comes down to the problem of choosing the representative. That's why I liked uh, my whole thing with the smartphones is like you're not choosing a representative, right? It The algorithm is picking people based on the fact that, uh, you know, they're voting the way that the majority is voting. And now you're a representative. Uh, like like let, let's let's take it in another direction. Like, let's say, uh, Luke, your buddy's down at the welfare office and mm-hmm. you have this person who's, who's scrutinizing him and he's saying, like, did you work today? Did you try to work today? Did you right. borrow money from your parents? Are you suitable for anything else? And he's like, no, no, I didn't. And he's like, fine. Uh, do you have any education vis-a-vis politics and the issues of the day? And he's like, well, I do have this poli-sci degree that I'm not doing anything with. And he's like, fine. You're now the elected representative for your uh, for your district. He's like, no, no, please, anything but that. Like, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, you 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 didn't go get a job at Arby's. Now you have to be a member of Parliament. It's shit. Oh, now I have to make decisions and take responsibility for things. I hate this. Mm. <laughs> I like I like that a lot. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of like, and then what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like if we if we only well, this is one of your initial points, Mason. Is like. Uh, with the philosopher king thing what if you only had begrudging leadership like yeah as soon as you (laughs) indicate that you are enjoying it or you're benefiting from it in some way they kick you out Hmm. like you get a book deal and i'm sorry you're no longer allowed to be an elected representative of anything you are uh, i'm sorry i'm sorry that book is doing too well and now you're compromised and yeah it it, it started as a memoir and and now it's you know it's getting sold in indigo so now it's now you got to (laughs) go Yeah. Okay. Well, do we have a do we have a central thing yet? Is this a thing yet? <laughs> I do like the idea of like some kind of algorithmically chosen representatives that are actually more about consensus, though that is biased toward consensus, which you know, like the consensus on let's say marriage equality in America 25 years ago. Yeah, it's not so yeah. great. Or like if I put out a bill that says, okay, now only left-handed people pay taxes, right-handed people, y'all get a free ride, a left-handed people, your taxes are going to go up a thousand percent, like I could probably get at least 50% of people to vote for that because they're going to be like, sweet, I don't have to pay taxes anymore, you know, but we have to have some sort of safeguard in there that prevents it from being just rule of the majority. So what if what if the way it works is you can only run for office if you're running for opposition to the consensus and otherwise it's only it's like cloud algorithm chosen so so it's sort of like a king of the hill type thing like if you're up and in charge you're making decisions but you're making them as fast as possible because like only people who are diametrically opposed to what you're doing uh, are able to then take control. And like, you've got a term limit because like, you've got like three years max and then we're kicking you out and your worst enemy is going to take your spot. So, you know, do stuff quick. Hold on. Hold on. Are we potentially talking about a new two party system in the future where instead of it being like Republican versus Democrat, it's like, you know, hu- robot cloud versus human rebels. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
That sounds awesome. Well, yeah. see, the great thing about that is now we're united, right? We, we've established that, you know, human psychology, you got to have a protagonist and an antagonist. As soon as we make the antagonist something not human, now all of a sudden all the humans are banded together. It doesn't matter if you're red or blue. You want to come together to defeat the robots. But the thing is, you're never truly defeating them. You're just programming what the next robots are going to be. And what this does is it it biases the system in favor of improving the status quo rather than I think the weakness of the original idea was it kind of enshrines the status quo and Mm -hmm. gives it power as opposed to this champion challenger kind of model where the champion certainly is the consensus of where everybody pretty much is. But the challenger is always there trying to make us better, trying to show Mm -hmm. us things we didn't know. And they're the only ones that can run. So their charge is to change the minds of the public. But if they can, they get power and 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 the ideology of the public progresses. I like it. Holy shit. Is this actually a good idea? (laughs) I mean, I should I I'd try it. I mean, yeah, I mean, couldn't be worse than the American oligarchy. Fucking uh plutocratic bullshit we have now. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if it's if it's swung one year to the or not one year to the next, but you know however long the term is, if it's swung between like you know one form that's uh, humans and one form that's robots or, or 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 whatever it would be, that sounds more balanced than trying to trust one way or the other right now. Like that sounds like a new way that we can actually balance this thing. Right. Well, and it would actually redefine or or retake the notions of liberal and conservative because conservative conserves the past keeps things the way they are keeps things that are good you know like if something's good we're going to keep it that way liberal uh by definition uh, on top of being like let's spend more money but there's also an implication of let's shake things up and make them new make them progressive so right. like i feel like you know conservative doesn't have to be a bad word i think there's certain things that maybe we shouldn't change so fast that are changing fast and in that way i am literally conservative though i would never in american politics say i'm conservative or north american i right. should say right, right right yeah like people always think of it as a steering wheel going left and right but no it's more like the gas and the brakes right because the the liberals are pushing you forward and the conservatives are the thing that makes sure you don't smash into a wall correct and i feel like this model means that the cloud is by nature conservative because it acknowledges and mm-hmm. and empowers the you know sort of the the bell curve and then you've got what's coming next in in the people that can run and can you know um outsmart the consensus or rather just persuade people that there's more to you know there's more to their philosophy than they realized okay Okay. so last piece of the puzzle i guess is just what do we call this thing if it's not traditional democracy anymore because it's a new form of a thing is it like neo cloud something something or am I just putting too much thought into that? Well, that no, no, no. I, I like I like this prompt. I'm just sort of like going through my head about like different prefixes and suffixes and how to how to create a word about it. Um, well, it's not compuocracy because it's not like the computer is in charge. Uh, what is in charge is the idea of conflict. So we have like conflictocracy, like nemesisocracy, whatever the word would be for that. What? Yeah, I was going to say, like, the, you said King of the Hill, which I think is a really great image, but is there something about the idea of, uh, of, of, a, of a champion in place being challenged by, you know, uh, something coming uphill, but ultimately could knock off the champion and become the new champion? Um, 
mantel mantelocracy or uh well or, i mean when when the underdog comes up and topples the people on top we call that a revolution and if we have constant revolutions that's just like rpm right so this is this is a spinocracy i can dig that or a, or a rev hmm. <laughs> Re rotation Revolution. Well, I think that it can be refined. Hey, dear listeners, if you've got the perfect name for this, uh, why don't you tweet it at us? Yeah. <laughs> That's I like it. At H-I-G-A-I show. Uh, this has been our political system for, for this week. Uh, I have to say, Brent, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on and picking your brain for a little bit. Oh, thanks. Thanks for letting me talk and ramble like I always do, but instead do it on a podcast. Hey, well, you know. If something's just recording while it's happening, then you know, yeah, it can might, be useful. might as well make use of a naturally occurring phenomenon. Absolutely, hey. it's like a water wheel. Yeah, <laughs> water wheelocracy. I like it. Sure, you know what? That's got a nice ring to it. Unless you've got a better one, tweet at us. All right, so Brent, uh, we have to invent something brand new next week, and I would love it if you would help us decide what that thing should be. Hmm. Well, um, I, uh, many times during our discussion, I kept thinking, well, this would be a great political idea, but it's something of a fairy tale. What if you just designed a fairy tale? Hey. Hey, we can uh, do that. We, we can. We can do that. We haven't done fairy tale yet. Yeah. Awesome. All there right, Brent. Thank you very much. Cool. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. We're we're gonna write a fairy tale. Fairy tale. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, thumbs up, monorail like Good night. So most people listening to this probably know that I'm not just a podcaster. Uh, I'm also a webcomic artist. I recently wrapped Leftover Soup, and I've started my new comic Forward. That's at forwardcomic.com. Uh, it's only just recently started, so now's a good time to get in on it. It updates every Monday. It's a sci-fi, but it's not really a typical sci-fi. You'll see what I mean. Uh, it fo follows the adventures of Lee Caldevera. Uh, they're my protagonist. Uh, they're sort of a shut-in, uh, obsessed with watching Martian cartoons, uh, and the comic is about what happens when they get shifted uh, out of that comfort zone. What sort of world uh, the play this world is going to look like in 150 years or so? Um, I definitely am proud of it. I'm, I'm happy with where it's uh, where it's going, and I hope you check it out. That's uh, once again forwardcomic.com. <laughs>